Hi, I'm Mark DeCosmaker. I'm one of the elders here at Christ Community Church. Our scriptural passage this morning is Malachi 1, 6-14. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is this not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such gifts from your hands. Will he show you favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. And I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it and say to the Lord, says the Lord's hosts, you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick. And this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among all nations. Take a moment to reflect on God's word. You have your Bibles open there to Malachi chapter... Two, we're in a series, and we really began two weeks ago trying to get us to Malachi, and last week we talked about the first five verses. On many occasions, people will come up to me uh, after a sermon and say something like this, I, I felt like you were looking right at me and talking about me this morning. Or they'll say, quit talking about me from the pulpit. And I, <laughs> I understand that because I feel that way in my study during the week. Um, but if that's been you, then perhaps this morning you can breathe a, a little bit easier. Because uh, with this message from Malachi, Malachi turns the spotlight directly on the pulpit. His, he's, he's taking direct aim at the, the priest, the leadership of the congregation. So my primary target for this sermon is, is me. 
And so in some ways, as we look at these few verses, uh, both this week and next week, you might be thinking that uh, thinking about it like this, like I'm listening in to, on this private conversation between uh, Malachi the prophet and Paul or Malachi and the priest, or Malachi and the pastor, or Malachi and the leadership. What, what would this prophet who's coming to this group of people say specifically towards the leadership? And Malachi addresses the failure of leadership in two parts. The first part is what we read here, chapter 1, 6 through 14. And then the second part of his address we'll talk about next week from Malachi chapter 2. Verses 1 through 9. And you can see there in verse 2, if you're looking at the text, he says, and now. So you see this transition. I'm going to start out with this indictment. I'm going to come to you first of all, leaders, and I'm going to make a charge against you. And then after he's finished with the charge in verse 14, he, he turns the corner. He says, okay, now that I've given you this charge, and now I'm going to give you this warning. You, you've got to start going in a different direction. So this morning, we're specifically looking at the charge or the indictment that Malachi gives to the leadership. Before we do that, I want to just make two preliminary points. One, uh, the reality of God's unconditional love does not negate the necessity of obedience. The reality of God's unconditional love does not negate the necessity of obedience. Last week, and if you can look in chapter 1, verse 2 there, the, the first thing that God says is what? He comes to this congregation who's, who's tired, whose faith has eroded because of their waiting, They've not been faithful. And the very first thing God says is, I love you. I love you. In fact, I've been loving you for hundreds, thousands of years. You're you're in this great line of people that I've loved. And and my love, my compassion, my affection is coming towards you. It's, It's unconditional. It's unstoppable. But because his love is unconditional, that doesn't negate our necessity to be obedient. Because really from this particular passage, verse 6, on through the rest of the book, God spends the rest of the time addressing the behavior of the congregation. He tried to, at the very beginning, set something in stone and say, I want you to know this is an immovable rock. I love you. I've done something that's permanent. It can't be changed, my affection towards you. But because that's happened now, I expect a particular kind of behavior. And I'm going to be addressing that as we go through Malachi. The the unconditional love of God should fuel our obedience. If you could think of it maybe in this way, if you think of religion, religion is I do something hoping that God loves me. And, of course, in a religious setting, you're always thinking, I hope I've done enough. You're just never quite sure. So it sort of sticks in your mind if you think religiously that I I just don't know if I've done enough. That's the way religion operates. But Christianity operates differently. Christianity operates that I've loved enough. Now I'm looking for obedience. Obedience. The first part in the Christian message is the love of God. And then from that love flows or fuels 
hopefully, your obedience. But if you ever think, well, God's love towards me is unconditional, so it really doesn't matter what I do. I mean, he's going to forgive me anyway. If you ever think that, then you're spiritually in a very dangerous place because it matters very much what you do. And it especially matters what you do if you're in leadership. And that's his particular aim. That's his particular target. Second preliminary thought, we should appreciate the courage of Malachi. How easy would it have been for Malachi, the prophet, to get a message from the Lord and just come in and say, I'm here to address the problems that are from this part forward. I mean, that would have been the simplest thing to do because the leader or the priest could have said, yeah, tell them I've been telling them that all the time. But, but he says he set something in stone to say, I want everyone here to know something about the unconditional love of God. And now my first message, my first aim is I'm going to take aim at the pulpit. I mean, that takes a lot of courage for a prophet to stand up and say, the first thing we need to address is what comes from this area, from the leadership. And you think about how much courage it would have taken somebody like Nathan to come to King David in the midst of his adultery. See, the King, the King David was pulling the whole country down. And somebody had to come in and address the problem at the leadership level. And so it takes a lot of courage for Nathan. It takes a lot of courage for Malachi. And maybe it's helpful for you to hear me say out loud, just because someone's in leadership doesn't mean they're perfect and above correction. And it's important to have someone, in our case, the way we govern ourselves with elders, it's important to have some some ones to be able to come to the leadership and say, I think this is being said wrong. I think you're moving in the wrong direction. So you have to have that in the contents of a church. And it's also helpful to see when that correction is offered, how the leadership responds. So let's see how the priests respond to Malachi's message of correction. First of all, let's remember the priest and the, and the people of Malachi's day. It's about 400 B.C. They, they've been called out of the exile. Remember, Israel had been unfaithful as they've taken over the promised land. And they, they were thrown into exile by God, into Babylon. And they spent about 70 years there. And God calls them back to reestablish the temple, to, to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And and in this time period, he's saying to the people, I'm bringing this new king. I'm bringing the Messiah. And y'all, your particular um, role right now in human history, as I line up all the events for Christ's coming, is you're supposed to remain faithful. And so that's that's the, the primary... Uh, setting of what's happening and the primary responsibility of the priest during this time of waiting is to help people understand that the in verse six, the Lord of hosts, the, the great commander of an army is coming this way. And each each week as the people come to the temple, the, the priest's primary responsibility is to, to help this congregation resist the, the downward secular gravitational pull that they feel every week out in the in the culture. 
so that then when they're gathered in the church, when they're gathered in the temple, this person knows these people are affected by this gravitational pull away from God. And the, the priest has to come and say to the people every week, we're serving the Lord of hosts. And I know it's hard, but we're supposed to be remaining faithful. We're, we're supposed to keep lifting up the name of God. We're supposed to keep pointing people towards the coming Messiah. So that his name, verse 11, could be made great among the nations. From wherever the sun rises to wherever the sun sets. Whatever role we've been given in this whole picture of history, we're supposed to keep people focused on Christ. That's one of the primary responsibilities of the priests. That's still one of the primary responsibilities of the person who stands behind this pulpit. But as we've seen, the waiting was longer than expected. And the leadership got tired. And following after God didn't seem to be any particular benefit. I mean, the leaders were looking around and saying, I see people who aren't following after God and they seem to prosper. So I don't know why I'm continuing to do it. And I don't know why I'm continuing to tell other people to do it. So they, they grow tired. And, and this relationship they have with the living God, this relationship they have with the commander of hosts turns into religion. And you see how it ends in verse six. Oh, priests. You despise my name. Malachi tries to arrest their attention with these two common illustrations. I mean, a son honors his father, right? I mean, in that culture, yes, that happens then. And and if you're a master, the slave is obedient to the master, right? Oh, well, yes, yes. But, But you see, you're not that way with me, God is saying. You're not even doing what's common out in the culture. When you you come in here, you treat me differently. And then notice the priest's response. Well, how have we despised your name? Remember we talked about this last week. If it's like the scratch and sniff passage. These questions that always are coming back from God. When, When the prophet comes in to offer a corrective, what do they say? No, let me give you a corrective. God, when you come in to question me, here's I'm going to turn it back around and say, no, you're on trial. God, you don't need to look at me and ask me about my behavior. I need to look at you and ask you about your behavior. And so that's exactly what's happening in the leadership. Malachi's come in and said, see, you're despising my name. Well, how do we despise your name? They're they're putting God on trial. They're turning the the correction into questioning and how, how easy this is. Someone offers you correction. Immediately you become defensive. And that's what's happening with the priest here. So we can stop and just ask a couple of questions of the preacher or the elder or the leader. First of all, preacher, are you sour? I mean, if we scratch and sniff the preacher today, which I'm not recommending... But would you smell a sour person with Mike and Mark up here? Are they sour? They've just gotten tired. They're just tired of communicating these same things over and over again. They've, they've lost the wonder of who they're serving. And maybe they've grown sour. Maybe their waiting has caused an erosion in their faith. 
It's possible that when you get into a leadership position, you sort of forget that you're still being led. It's very easy in a leadership position to say, well, I'm at the top. And God's coming to say to the leader, uh, you're, you're a slave. Remember that? You're a son. Remember? Let's, let's keep it in perspective here. Maybe in the leadership position, the leader has forgotten that. It's possible that the relationship is turned into religion. It's turned into routine. You've gotten tired of telling people about God. You've gotten tired of telling people that they serve a great king. These are all perils for your pastor. They're all perils for your leader. Well, the priests apparently have a thick skull. So Malachi sort of charges forward, and I think think of it like this blistering sort of machine gun attack. I mean, they're the leaders. They're the ones that should know if they're doing something wrong. And, and they're sort of coming back with this questioning, this sour attitude. So, so guns a-blazing, Malachi comes in and says, I'm just going to mow you guys down. And he really does it in these next few verses. Look at uh, verse 8 for me. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? I mean, can you not figure out when you're sacrificing a blind, lame, diseased, broken animal that that's not right? See, they knew what was wrong. They knew they were doing what was wrong. They just didn't want to be addressed by it. And so Malachi's coming forward with them and they're saying, you know, you're giving the scraps to God rather than giving your best. You're, you're giving what's blemished rather than giving your best. In effect, you're saying, you know, I was at home and I needed to bring something to God this morning. And I went to my garage and I was going to throw this away anyway. So I decided to bring it to God. And I wonder if that's ever happened. You're bringing what's blemished. You're bringing what's already not worth anything to God. And you're trying to make it something that's worthwhile. That's what's happening. Israel had managed to find a way to offer a sacrifice that wasn't really a sacrifice. And when they got together, when they came, as it were, to the communion table, it looked like from the outside that they were doing something real but really, God knew it was phony. I mean, from the outside, they were making sacrifices. They were sort of going through the, the, the motions. But really, when it comes to it, God knew the heart of the leader. God knew the heart of the people. And he's saying, it's just phony. The priests know what they're doing wrong. Deut- Deuteronomy, which is their textbook, 1521 says this, If an animal has a defect is lame, blind, or has any serious flaw, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Why? Well, because when you bring a defective sacrifice, that communicates God's not worth honoring. It communicates that your sins are no big deal. And you communicate that the sacrifice is not valuable. Now think about that just in light of the cross. You come forward, you bring a sacrifice, a sacrifice of yourself now. But you bring something that's defective. You bring something that's uh, not your best anymore. And when you do it, you say, it's, God's not really worth honoring. My sins aren't really big, any big deal. And his sacrifice 
is not really that important. So it's important what we bring to God. And then Malachi goes on to say in, in verse 8, you know what you're offering me? You, you wouldn't even offer your governor. I mean, if you had the governor here today, you'd all be sitting up straight. You'd all be looking nicer. You'd all bring your best. But because it's just God showing up, well, then it doesn't really matter. We can bring what's lame. We can bring what's defective. And then in verse 10, you see him saying this. Oh, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. Imagine God saying this. I just wish there was one leader who would shut the doors of the church and say this morning, no worship. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for one man who has the courage to go lock the doors and say we're not worshiping today because all of our worship here is phony. Imagine God saying that. Imagine him saying it at the temple in Jerusalem. I mean, this is, this is the house of God. This is where God has descended in some unique way. This is the place where, where we've worshipped this way for hundreds of years. And he's saying, I just wish there was one priest who could shut the door and say, you know what, it's better for the priest, it's better for the people that you wouldn't worship at all than to come and worship in a phony way. And that's what Malachi is saying to the pastor Pastor, you would be better off when you stand before God Almighty and give an account for your congregation to say, instead of doing something phony, I shut the door. But what you've done is you've made people believe that they were doing something great and you were doing something great when really you were doing something phony. And so you should have shut the door. It feels like God's tired of playing games. He's just saying, you know, you're singing, your prayers, your offerings. I don't, I don't accept any of it. So even though we see the unconditional love of God in the first few verses, it really matters what you do. It really matters what I do. And for those who come forward today, I don't know. I can't see. But God knows if you're a phony. Malachi is looking at the leaders and saying, men, you're phonies, you're fakes. You stand up week after week and you go through the routine, but really it's not genuine at all. And he's not finished. Verse 13. But you say, what a weariness this is. I mean, do you just smell that right there? I am tired of doing my job. I mean, this whole routine of this church stuff, it's just tiring. I'm tired of doing this job. I'm tired of coming here week after week, year after year, doing the same thing over and over again. I'm tired of saying the same things each week and people don't change. I'm tired of reminding people how great God is when I don't think he's that great myself. Man, here is a leader who's gotten sour. Here is a leader who's in desperate need of Malachi's adjustment to say, do you not understand you're serving the Lord of hosts and you ha- you're saying you're tired? Come on. Malachi's coming in with this sharp scalpel really to help this person, this priest, 
these leaders to say, don't you understand? You're the one leading the charge of trying to help these people to say, keep your eye on Christ. He's coming. He's near at hand. Don't give up right now. Don't grow tired of doing good. Leaders, don't go sour. And you can see it's reached a a critical point in verse 14. Cursed be the cheat who has a male flock, male in his flock, and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. The, the, The failure of the priest's leadership, their behavior is beginning to infect the congregation. You see that? See, what's happened is the priest is okay with taking lame and diseased things, blemished things. And so now the congregation is sitting at home saying, what should I bring to God? And they're saying, well, I'll say that I'm going to bring the best, but really I'm going to show up with something that's blemished. And so the phoniness at the pulpit is now turning into phoniness in the congregation. And of course, I'm sure all of us understand this leadership principle as as the leader goes so goes those who follow. The, the character of the leadership cascades down into the congregation. Malachi understands that, so he's coming in and his first address is to the leadership to say, look, you guys have to get it right. You guys have to understand who you're serving. You guys have to be encouraged. You have to understand that you're moving with the Lord of hosts. That he is arri- he's coming, he's, he's on his way, you've got to help these people, and you've got to make sure that you're not doing something phony, because if you're doing something phony, to be sure your congregation is going to follow. And that's Malachi's effort here. He sees that happening now in the congregation. That the sourness of the leadership is now becoming the sourness in the, the congregation. The defensiveness of the leader now... Um, Births defensiveness in the congregation. The resistance of the leader to take correction uh, causes the, the congregation to resist correction. If you did a scratch and sniff on the congregation and they smell sour, you can guess where that sour smell originated. Back at the leadership. Well, this is Malachi's indictment of the leaders. Aren't you glad you're not a leader today? A couple things you can do. Pray for your leaders. Pray for me. There isn't anything I've said here that I wouldn't say, I I don't understand that. No, I, I understand all these temptations. All this weariness, all this desire to go, you know, it looks like other people who aren't here this morning, it looks like they're prospering. Maybe you can look at yourself and ask if I've wrongly concluded that because I believe and trust in God's unconditional love, it really doesn't matter what I do. It really matters what you do. And we're not calling forward people who are perfect, but we're saying no, no phonies, no fakes. People who come with a repentant heart wanting to change, but not people who are saying, 
Well, everybody, nobody's going to know. And you're right, I won't. But God understands. Finally, you might ask yourself again, as you come forward to the communion table, are you, are you giving what's best or are you giving what's blemished? And maybe that's with your resources. Maybe that's with yourself. Maybe that's with your character. Maybe that's with your service in the church. I don't know. But that's the question that God's asking all of us this morning as you, as you come forward. Are you coming saying, this is the best? I mean, it may not be all that great comparatively, but this is the best I can do. Or are you just bringing things that are broken and lame and diseased? Just because it really doesn't matter. It really does matter what you do, what you bring. Let's pray together. Lord, these... These words on uh, from Malachi to leaders. Um, very pointed. Very important in the church. So I'm, I'm asking for myself as I come before you this morning and just pray what I might pray inside out loud. That you would help me resist being sour. Growing tired. Forgetting that I serve the Lord of hosts. Thinking that I'm above correction. Bringing not my best to a sermon, to a conversation, to this leadership position in the church. Help me, I pray. I come, Lord, I don't want to be a phony. So I, I say out loud, I have these um, issues in my life that I, I plead for your intervention and your Holy Spirit to come and rid me of myself. And Lord, I pray for protection of everybody in this congregation. That as they follow after the leadership from the pulpit, as they follow after the leadership of the elders, as they follow after the leadership of their small group, that they would they would hold on to that which is good and not see that which is not. Lord, I, I pray now for these elements as we take of them. They're simple and common, and yet you can do something uncommon in the hearts here and the minds of your people. We remember that you gave your best. You took yourself and you said, this is my blood. This is my body. This is a perfect sacrifice for the sin of mankind. Would you take these elements and use them to give grace to your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.